This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Your support means a lot. Now, here's your host. Our special guest joining us again today is Paul Acey. He is the author of Beauty and the Browns, Walking with Christ in the Darkness of Depression. Paul, thanks for joining us today. It's always a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, it is September, and September is uh, one of those unfortunate months. It's National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And I say it's unfortunate because it's unfortunate that we need to have a month. Uh, to address suicide prevention because it is so prevalent, it seems like, in our society and getting significantly worse. Uh, I always think about Robin Williams this time of year because um, you look at somebody mm. who, you know, perceivably has everything and has everything laid out before them, uh, has achieved so much success, and then, you know, they go and take their own life and you wonder what they were struggling with that you didn't know about. And of course, not knowing yeah. Robin Williams personally. Obviously, there was a lot of stuff I didn't know about. But what about the people around me that are going through things that I don't know about? Um, and and, it can, and I don't know the numbers of how many people are affected with some sort of depression, uh, but I imagine it's very, very high. And as we're starting to shine a light into the darkness here and talk about it a little bit more uh, and it doesn't have the stigma on it that it used to, we're really starting to see some people come out and your book, Beauty in the Browns, Walking with Christ in the Darkness of Depression, actually speaks to some personal experiences with depression. Is that correct? Yes, it does. It does. And it really is just an overwhelming problem. I mean, people have called it called depression an epidemic. Uh, about 50 million people deal with mental illness every year, and a great deal of that is actually depression. They say that about 700,000 people take their own lives worldwide every year, and those rates continue to go up. So the, the issue is big, and it's not going anywhere. And we saw recently with the uh, the pandemic that we're starting to see numbers come out of that. And uh, we're seeing that there were uh, particularly impacted children. There were a lot of children who attempted self-harm for the first time. Emergency room visits were up sharply. Uh, it was there was a lot of fallout from that. So it seems like it, it got um, significantly worse, not just incrementally, but significantly worse in 2020. And I don't know. I mean, we won't see numbers for a while, probably on how we're recovering from it. But does yeah, that, does that yeah. make sense? That it, it seems worse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think you're you're absolutely right. Uh, COVID definitely did a number on a lot of people's mental health. And the thing about depression is that you um, it is an inherently isolating condition. Right. You uh, when when I was grappling with with these bouts of depression, I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want to talk to anybody. The main thing I wanted to do was just sort of find a like, corner in the closet and just sort of curl up because you just don't feel like you're, you're you are worth much of anything to anybody. So you withdraw um, covid. Absolutely encouraged us all to withdraw mm -hmm. <laughs> you know we were we were truly truly isolated and so people who might have been struggling with some stuff or, or or even people who just really needed to have other people around their friends their family all of a sudden when that's taken away from them that isolation took them into a really uh dark place i think that we're still recovering from that and in you know obviously a lot of the country has gotten back to normal but i'm not sure 
sure if uh, if mental illness is really fully recovered yet because it takes some time. Uh, it can be very, very difficult to pull out of depression once you're in it. Anecdotally, what struck me about myself during the pandemic was I didn't realize how thin of a margin I was walking because as mm-hmm. soon as my relationships were taken away, my gatherings were taken away. We weren't doing in-person Sunday morning church. Our community groups were canceled. We weren't you know, going out to dinner with friends. Once all of that was stripped away, I didn't realize how lonely and depressed I kind of was and how that was sort of filling those voids. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I, you know, I'm, I am a hardcore introvert. I, I do like my alone time. Amen. But at the same time, <laughs> when you look at us, how we are designed, how we are created by God, I think, you know, we are meant to be in community. And even even introverts like us, you know, we need people around us. And when that is taken away, that can be really very, very difficult. Um, and, and depression puts pushes you away from other people. It just inherently does. Um, in probably my most serious bout of depression, it, it was uh, it was a very, very difficult time. Um, I spent probably about three weeks kind of just hanging out in my basement. Um, I really didn't want to talk with anyone. I couldn't really even watch TV. It was just too much. Uh, I found myself pushing away my wife, my kids. It was a very difficult time. Um, and a lot of that is just, it's just, it's just part of how depression can sometimes uh, take you over in a way. It, it throws you into a cell and throws away the key. I had experienced minor bouts of depression, but nothing significant until 2021. Um, I had a seizure in my sleep for some reason that we still don't have a great explanation for and shattered my right shoulder, had to have my shoulder replaced. Uh, and in your 40s, having a shoulder replaced is unusual. Uh, and then, of course, there came the slew of medications that I was on, uh, which messed with mood. And I remember one night just being in this horrible state sitting on the couch, trying to sleep in a recliner at three o'clock in the morning. And it was it was the worst. It was the absolute pit of despair for me. And you talk about, you know, wanting isolation. And I, I've told friends about this since. And they're like, well, why didn't you reach out? Why didn't you call me? I would have taken your call at three in the morning. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't I didn't want help. You know, I yeah. and, and I you don't want to reach out. You're in that pit and you know you're in that pit. But at the same time, you just don't want to reach out. You don't want other people bothering you at that point, if that makes sense. And it's a really bizarre place to be in. And it's something that I think until you've experienced, you can't really communicate that to somebody else and people can't really understand it. No, it, it's a very, very difficult thing to understand. And, and uh, man, there's so much that, that I could say about kind of that experience. Uh, it, it can be it can be a very, very odd dynamic when you're when you're in the pit of depression. You're right. It's very hard to reach out. Uh, you feel not only that you're you are not worthy of the attention, you're not worthy of having people reach out to you, but you do get to a place where all of a sudden it feels normal. It feels like this is where you are meant to be. I, uh, I actually had somebody uh, write into, into me about my book, sort of talking about it and, and asking, when did you really feel like you, you wanted to get out of it? Because she was talking about how sometimes it can feel comfortable. It can feel safe. And I think that there's a lot of truth in that where 
when you're in depression, as we just talked about, you, you find yourself in sort of this cell, this dark cell where there's no windows, no doors. Uh, if there is even any light, it's way, way far up where you can't reach it. And that's a terrible place to be, right? But if you're there enough, all of a sudden, that cell, as terrible as it is, as mm. terrible as it looks from the outside, it feels like home. You know the, the bricks, you know the mortar, and to step outside, to, to actually step outside where the world actually is, can be a really difficult, very, very scary thing. So it can, it can take uh, a lot of courage to even want to deal with your depression when you've been in it for a certain amount of time and, and if you have that, that sort of personality that, that lends itself to that. And to continue so your it analogy. Can be, it can be, all it takes is a, an event like a death in the family, a significant health issue, uh, a problem like the, the the pandemic that we saw that closes that window light. And once right, that window absolutely. window light is closed, you don't realize how thin you were just barely hanging on until that window light's gone. And then that warm and comfortable is no longer warm and comfortable. <laughs> that is that is absolutely right that is absolutely right the the thing about depression is there can be so many different triggers uh it can be triggered by the loss of a job the loss of a relationship you know the the death of a someone who's very close to you but sometimes because we a lot of us do sort of live on the edge we push ourselves too hard we have a lot of stresses a lot of things that we're dealing with all the time very tiny things can push us over the edge we just don't know i think in in today's society how close uh, we walk to to finding ourselves in a really really dark place, um, and and while some people can have a depressive episode uh, just once in their life, you know probably anywhere from a third to to a half of us will deal with some sort of depressive episode in our lives. A lot of those people they will have that moment. And then they won't have another one for the rest of their lives. But other people for whatever reason, they can slip into depressive episodes again and again. And sometimes those catalysts, those those future catalysts for, for recurring uh, times of depression, sometimes it doesn't look like they have any catalyst at all, no reason for being there at all. It just sort of hits, hits you like a two by four out of the blue and you just don't know what happened. Well, some of it, I think, is when you look at people who have grown up in some sort of trauma, whether it was a family situation or they were abused or just whatever their situation was coming up, you never really kind of escape that, I think, in adulthood in that that is always a dark cloud that's following you. And it can be something very simple, even subconscious that you see or hear that kind of triggers that. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that, that oftentimes we, I have heard it read that, or heard it said that, 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 uh, <laughs> that what we experience before the age of 12 really is the most important stuff that happens to us throughout our lives because it impacts us so deeply. If we have a difficult relationship with our parents, uh, if we're bullied at school, these things can haunt us throughout our lives. Um, and they can they can just be lurking. You know, they're they're almost like little seeds that that sort of lurk underneath the surface. And when you least
least expect it. All of a sudden, those seeds can sprout into these huge vines that that can strangle the life out of you. Um, you know, one of the things I do in my book is sort of trace that. And, and even as I was writing some of the things that happened, I felt, man, this feels pretty minor. This doesn't feel like it should have impacted me as much as it did. And yet, those moments really can just just throw you for a loop. Uh, it, it can be really devastating. Um, and and sometimes we spend the rest of our lives sort of recovering from those. Well, it's the straw that broke the camel's back. It depends on what you have been accustomed to carrying, what kind of weight of depression or stress or anxiety that you're just used to living with, like you said earlier. And then all of a the sudden, there's something seemingly small that happens to you <clears throat> that just mm-hmm. absolutely destroys you. Yeah. That's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. And, and when we talk about depression, one of the things that we have to be mindful of is as devastating as it is, as difficult as it is, um, it's important to know that there is hope, there is help. Uh, in, in, you know, when, when we talk about that idea of, of when you're in the depths of depression, um, the, the desire to actually crawl out, how do you find that desire? How do you find the will to do it? If you want, you know, if if you are at that place, you know, how do you find the energy to do it? Because when you're depressed, a lot of us just don't have the energy to, to barely get off the couch, much less, much less do something proactive. Um, there are ways to sort of push yourself through it, but man, they're not easy. They're not easy. The, the simplest things uh, that, that most, most of us take for granted when we're feeling pretty good can be astronomically difficult uh, when you're dealing with depression. Um, I can remember literally, literally crawling to my shower uh, after, you know, three or four days Mm. of not showering because I just couldn't find the energy to walk. Mm. Wow. My pastor has a, or a pastor friend of mine um, preached a sermon on depression And he was talking about the three lies that Satan tells all of us. And you have touched on every one of these, I think. Um, One of them is that you're just not good enough. Mm -hmm. Another one is that everyone is against you. And the one that really hit me was there's no way out. Things will never be better than this. Things will always be this way. This is just how they're going to be. And yep. I don't know what pulled you out, but what pulled me out at three o'clock in the morning was remembering that, hey, I'm being lied to and I'm believing lies. Yeah. And yep. and that that no, I, I will not allow this to be how things will always be. And you've got two choices at that point. And you, you can either choose to, to make it better or you can choose to end it. A lot of people choose to end it. But, you know, you have to choose to do better. And, and my pastor friend said that lies are immediate is the problem with them. But truths are eventual. Things will get better <laughs> eventually. The lie yeah. that this yeah. is how things will always be is immediate. So it makes them easy to believe. And for me, the realization that I was being lied to really significantly helped. What would you point to if you could point to one thing that kind of helped pull you, pull you out? 
You know, man, I, I, I have so much to say. Uh, but, but to answer your question, uh, really the, the main catalyst was my wife and my kids. You know, I think that sometimes when you are in the, in the pit of depression, it's hard to think about doing stuff for yourself, right? Because you do find yourself lied to. You do find yourself thinking this is the way it's going to be. But in, in the midst of that moment, I had two young kids who weren't seeing me very much because I was I had had isolated myself pretty much in my basement. Um, my wife came down, and she uh, we were just talking a little bit, and and she she said, you know, I just don't know whether to to give you a, a huge hug and tell you everything's going to be okay, or to to give you a little kick in the rear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sometimes I think we need a little bit of a kick to get ourselves moving, right? In that moment, I realized, I think, that that I was letting the people around me down. I was not the father that I needed to be. I was not the husband that I needed to be. And I think for some people, I mean, I want to put a word of caution here because for some people that can put on another layer of guilt. It can make it all the more difficult to, to pull yourself out. But for me, it really made me think, okay, I can't be here. I cannot be in this place. I need to try to find a way to really pull myself out. And at that moment, it didn't really matter whether it would get better for me because I had these people counting on me. I needed to get better for them. Um, And so that sort of brought me the, the long gradual process of sort of crawling out of that place sort of began with that moment. But it turned, it was a decision. You, you had a deciding point where you're like, I have to pick a road yeah. here. The road is forking and I have to choose a direction. That's absolutely right. And, and, and that's an important thing to know. If, if, if there, are, there are listeners who are trying to love people through a very, very dark time, if, if you're trying to, to help somebody who is dealing with depression, one of the things that, that is very, very tricky to sort of internalize is that ultimately it is up to the person who is dealing with that depression to take the necessary steps to get out of it. You cannot, it, it's, you just can't fix it on your own. You can help, you can, you can encourage, you can, you can give as my wife did a little bit of a kick, you know, because those are important things in, in, in people who are dealing with depression sometimes need those. Uh, but you can't fix somebody. Um, my son has also dealt with with depression and and probably in a in a much greater degree than I have. And that has been a very, very difficult realization that I have had to deal with. Uh, because as a dad, you want to fix things. You're used to fixing things. you're you're you want to be able to 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 mold this person and mold that world that they live in into a place where where they can they can live and thrive and grow. Uh, but but there are limits to our ability to to fix things, even for our own kids. And eventually it comes down to the person themselves making that decision doing the hard things that sometimes it takes to move yourself out of depression uh, to, to get to a healthier place. And now we move into the really difficult part of the conversation. Um, 
And I know you feel this way as a dad. I've talked to my wife who's gone through some stuff this year physically. And and she's like, I had much rather, you know, be, you know, the person who is helping somebody than to be the person who needs help. Um, as we we've been talking so far about pulling yourself out, um, mm-hmm. it's hard to love somebody who's going through trouble. Uh, I think that's harder yeah. than pulling yourself out because you want to help yeah. them and you you just do not know how you see their struggle and you want to fix it, but you can't fix it. That mm. that that's a whole different yeah. thing. And and I, I want you to address that, especially from a dad perspective. How how on earth do you begin to help someone who is going through a really dark time? Uh, I've had pastor friends ask me this about congregants. I've had moms ask me this about sons and daughters. I've, I've, you know, what, what do you do? How do you get in there and figure out how to really help somebody? You see somebody drowning, you throw them a life preserver. How do you make them take it? (laughs) That is, that is the hundred thousand dollar question, right? Uh, it, it is incredibly difficult. And I think maybe the first step I would say is be wary of offering platitudes. You know, I, I, I don't think that many depressed people can hear, you need to get stronger. You need to pull yourself out by your bootstraps. You need to, you need to, even, even those, those ideas of how can you be depressed? Because we are Christians. We know how the story ends. We have been given this love. You know that Jesus loves you. Why are you not happier? Yeah, just choose uh, to be happier. Just is, get over it. Just, you know, just do better. Just choose to be happier. That is exactly right. And for people who haven't grappled with depression, I think that it can feel very mystifying why why they can't just take the steps that they need to, to, to get happier. Uh those sorts of platitudes will likely fall on deaf ears when it comes to a depressed person. They're not just—they're not going to be able to hear it really well, and they're not going to be able to follow through. Uh, most importantly, I think in my own experience, I think the the biggest thing that I have realized uh, can be the most helpful element in this journey is just to be there. Um, to be there, not having the perfect thing to say not having the exact right words to help somebody, but to listen, to be willing to journey with these people through this very, very difficult time. As we said at the very top of this 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 conversation, right? Depression isolates us. When a depressed person knows that there's someone there with them, with them when they are truly at their worst, that can make a huge difference to to the person suffering. Um, if you reinforce the idea that they are loved, that they are appreciated, that they are valued, that you as the person who is in their life is not going anywhere, that can make a huge difference because that lessens the isolation. It's like it's like a hand through the barred window of the cell, right? Uh, you can you can be there and that can make a huge amount of difference. A couple of other things, as you go through that process, encourage the people to to take an interest in the things that they've always loved before. You know, encourage them to go for a walk. Studies show that that a little bit of exercise can go a long way to both keeping depression at bay and sort of help alleviate it. Um, be be mindful of of just those opportunities to reach out and and sort of be able to to usher somebody back into life. Um, 
And also be aware that there are professionals out there. You know, there are counselors, there are, there are pastors who have real experience in dealing with these things. Encourage someone to, to get the, the help that they need. Um, you know, I, obviously I'm no expert. I just know from personal experience what this stuff looks like. Mm-hmm. There are people who know so much better than I do about the steps that can be taken. Uh, so encourage people to get the help that they need uh, from, from more professional resources. And it seems to me like it would be easier and smarter to get a professional involved maybe earlier, because if you're not careful, Mm -hmm. you can end up enabling someone in their depression and enabling them to continue to be depressed. And by trying to be a unlicensed psychologist, you could give bad advice and inadvertently make the situation worse. And then absolutely have a horrible mess for a professional to try and dig out. So it might be better off just to try and jump in and and get some professional counseling very early on and stick with it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that there are some warning signs that people who are who are worried that someone in their lives is depressed. There are there are warning signs that you can you can look for uh, to see whether you need to take that next step. Right. The, the only problem is, is when you're dealing with a teen, some of these can can feel a lot like just regular teen behavior. Yeah. How can <laughs> you, you know, tell when a teen is not are, acting normally? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But but just to run through some of the things that you should probably be watching out for, obviously, feelings of sadness, uh, if if they're talking about feeling empty or hopeless, uh, if they feel angry or irritable, if they're eating less or eating more than they typically do, if they've sort of withdrawn from the things that they have always enjoyed in the past, those are really important things to watch out for. Um, a lot of times, depression can manifest itself physically. Uh, that's actually how mine sort of manifested, where you have these unexplained physical problems like headaches or backaches or stomach issues uh, that no one really knows what's going on. Those can be, especially for young kids who don't have the vocabulary to to put their feelings in motion in in in, in words. Uh, you know, I think that 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 can be a sign that that they're dealing with something emotionally that you need to deal with. Um, and if if you have any doubts about whether this is just regular behavior or if it's really truly depression, obviously err on the side of caution. Encourage people to to go to counseling. Take your children to counseling if you if you feel like that's warranted, uh, because. Because depression, as terrible as it is, it is very treatable. Uh, people can be helped. Um, it, it is something that you can pull your pull out of uh, if if you get the right resources and take the right steps. And of course, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So doing things to kind of prevent this from even getting started, if you can, which would be. Again, focusing on the good things, like you said, enjoying your hobbies, engaging in the things that make you happy, going for walks, spending time with community and family, engaging with people outside of your immediate circle, um, cultivating those relationships, things like that that can just really kind of prevent these things from happening in the future. Yeah, absolutely. I think that one of the biggest things in my own life that I've been leaning on, uh, I'll just tell you a little bit about what I've done. You know, exercise can be a huge barrier against depression. So I run. I hate running, (laughs) but I run almost every day because I know that that helps me stay in a good place. Uh, Faith can be a huge, huge help in in when you're talking about uh, dealing with depression. 
um, it can be a very difficult place if you're in depression, because uh, sometimes your your faith community might not react quite as well. But but when you're talking about uh, keeping depression at bay, understanding, really knowing that that you are loved by our Creator. Uh, can make a huge difference. So engaging in some of those, some faith element in your life can be a, a massive thing. And as you say, um, I think relationships are always key, always key. Be sure that you have, if you can, gather people around you who you can talk with honestly, who you can share life with. Because I think when you feel yourself slipping into, sometimes those those honest, hard conversations can help uh, put a little more perspective on things and help keep you from a really dark place. Well, as you mentioned at the start, uh, God made us for community. That community is so important. You know, it's it's a key yeah, part of why absolutely. we're here. Well, Paul, yeah. how do folks get a hold of your book, Beauty in the Browns, Walking with Christ in the Darkness of Depression? You know, it's a it's available at Amazon. They can they can check it out there. Uh, it's, it, it's available on the Focus on the Family website, so you can check for it there. Um, yeah, there, it's you will be able to find it if you care to. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'll put a link to it in, to Amazon in the show notes too. So there, great. Uh, there you go. That sounds fantastic. All right, Paul. Well, thank you so much again for taking the time to uh, join us here on the program and talk to us about uh, the awesome topic of depression. <laughs> <laughs> next time maybe we can talk about something something a little more somber like movies exactly you're you're uh with uh with plugged in and we need to get you back on to at least talk about some holiday movies i hope there's some good ones coming out this year yeah i hope so too thanks so much really appreciate it as always thank you for listening to the program now i do want to say that neither paul nor i are doctors and if you are struggling with depression or your mental health or you know someone close to you who is, please reach out and get care. Uh, you can call the National uh, Suicide Prevention Hotline. That is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. If it's an emergency, you can dial 911, of course. Uh, you can text COURAGE to 741741. Again, the word COURAGE to 741741. 1741. Again, if that's not an emergency. And then Focus on the Family can also help you get in touch with a counselor. You can go to focusonthefamily.com and follow the links there. Or you can call Focus on the Family during weekdays at 1 855 771 HELP. That's 1 855 771 HELP. Just remember you're not alone. There are people out there, there are resources out there uh, who want to help you. And they're there for your taking. So please reach out, get some help if you need help or if someone that you know needs help. Uh, you don't have to do it alone. That's the important thing. You can find more information about this podcast, this topic, uh, by visiting my website, which is bensongregory.com. That's B-E-N-S-O-N-G-R-E-G-O-R-Y bensongregory.com uh, over there I'm going to have a link to the pastor that I referred to my pastor friend is David Kibler he is the lead pastor of Catalyst Christian Church in Nicholasville Kentucky his sermon was in 2020 on the lies that Satan tells us talking about depression and I'm going to put a link to that on YouTube so you can go watch that sermon 
additionally, I'm going to have a link to Paul's book there and some other resources for you. So go check that out. There's also, of course, links to other podcasts and all of my socials and all that kind of stuff. I would love to hear from you. Uh, please, if you are listening to us on a podcatcher of some kind, please you know give us a review, give us a like. Uh, that really helps a lot. Share with your friends. That would be really awesome, too. You don't know how much I would appreciate it if you would share the podcast with your friends. And uh, whether you like it or not, let me know. I'm, I'm you know, very excited to hear your feedback and hear what you're thinking. All right. Well, that is going to be it. Thank you again so much for listening. I really do appreciate you. This is the Benson Gregory Podcast. Your support means a lot. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you for listening.